Since we've been talking about uh, various tefillos that people don't like to say, uh, we were talking about Matzai uh, Shabbos, so now we're going to talk about long tachnun on Mondays and Thursdays. And when there's a bris in a shul or something like that, or a chasen, even better than a bris, uh, people uh, typically are overjoyed by the opportunity to miss tachnun on a Monday or a Thursday. So I think it, uh, uh, rather than experiencing that glee that people sometimes have, it's uh, incumbent upon us to understand what the idea is of the long tachnun on Monday and Thursday. Like, why do we say it? What does it involve? And why maybe we should not be so gleeful whenever we miss the long tachnun on a Monday or a Thursday. I remember uh, many years ago, I was at, uh, I spent uh, a week at the, um, at the Rabbi Joseph B. Salvage Institute, uh, which no longer exists in uh, Boston, Massachusetts, Rabbi J.J. Schachter. And someone had mentioned a psaq that they heard, which we'll discuss later, about saying only part of the long tachnun. And Rabbi Schachter was like so disappointed. He said, I, I just fell in love with the long tachnun. You ever actually like pay attention to the words? It's so beautiful. It's such an amazing tefillah. He was like disappointed to hear that there are poskim that say, uh, maybe in certain circumstances, that one does not have to say the whole thing. So let's discuss why would poskim say that. So we're, we're going to talk about uh, essentially the following topics. What's the source for the custom? When do you... Uh, when do you say it? Uh, meaning, when, when should, uh, at which point in davening it should be said, because there are multiple minhagim. How to say it in terms of uh, whether you need to be standing, should it be out loud or quiet, and what do you do if there's no time? If you happen to be in a shul where they maybe say it a little too quickly and you're not able to say all of the words. So let's start with the beginning. The Torah in Simon Kuflamadalid uh, quotes this minhag that on Monday and Thursday, since they are special days, they are days of Yemei Ratzon, what makes them days of Yemei Ratzon? So what makes them days of Ratzon? Tor says, because Moshe Rabbeinu went up to Har Sinai to get the Luchoshniyos on a Thursday, he came down on a Monday, and therefore the, the Luchoshniyos were received through a Monday and Thursday combination, and that's recorded in Tosas Mabakama and Daf Pei Beis, and therefore Monday and Thursday are very special. The Ramah mentions this, and he says that because they are Yemei Ratzon, they not only get the long Tachnun, they are also days of Bahab. Those are the days that are designated for fasting at certain times of, of the year. The al adds that both the Bezin Shalmala and the Bezin Shalmata are Yoshev on Monday and Thursday, and therefore it is a special time of Din. When there is a special time of Din, it's almost the opposite of what the Torah says, not, not Yimei Ratzon, but a time of Din. And when it's time of Din, we need to, uh, to ask for a little extra Rachmanus. The Aruch HaShulchan in Kufla Medalid adds that the reason there are th- that these are days of Din is based on the Gemara in Shabbos, Tav Kuf Beis, that the Mazel Ma'adim serves twice on these days, comes around twice on these days, and that's uh, representative of Din, and therefore uh, we need the extra Rachman. That's why Ezra was Masakim laning on Monday and Thursdays, specifically as a protection of because that the world shouldn't be destroyed, because Torah, Magenes, Umatzelas. Torah has the ability to protect us, Torah has the ability to save us, and the other thing that protects us and saves us is Tefillah. So that's why we have both of these elements, the long Tachlun with the extra Tchinos, and the uh, the Kriyasa Torah. The Beis Yosef in Simen Kofla Medalid has a different source 
for saying uh, the long tachnun, uh, or, or he doesn't specifically identify Monday and Thursday, but talks about where it comes from. And he, he quotes a kolbo in Simon Yerches, and Beis Yosef very cryptically and briefly quotes it by saying, you know, the story about the nace gadol that occurred that led to the takana of Vuhurachum. But that's all he says. If you look at our Hashulchan, he adds a few more details to the story. There were three zikenim, they were saved from some sort of fire, but also not the full story. So if you look in the El Yerabba, the El Yerabba quotes the story in its entirety, the way it appears in the original source in the Kolbo, and the El Yerabba says the story goes as follows, that the non-Jews wanted to test the Jewish people at a certain tkuf in history in the same way Hananiah Mishal Vazari were tested, meaning they wanted to see play a game, see if the Jew can survive going into a fire, going into a furnace. So the Jewish people did what we often do when faced with these types of situations. We asked for some time to think about it, to figure out who we're going to send to represent us in that fire. So we asked for 30 days, and the 30 days were granted. Each and every day, <coughs> there was tainus, and whoever had a dream that night that they thought might have been meaningful would daven for an Ahmed the next day, throughout these 30 days. One day there was an old man who was not a sinner, was a genuinely, uh, basically good person, but also he was lo have chacham kulehai, not a great Talmud chacham, and he said that he saw in his dream that he was being read a pasuk that had two keys and three lows in it. The word key appeared twice, the word low appeared three times, but he had no idea what it was about. So one wise old man said to him, Oh, I know exactly what it is. It's the Pasuk in the 43rd parak of Sefer Yeshaya, where the Pasuk reads, Ki savor bimayim itcha ani. When you go through water, I will be with you. Ubinaharos lo yishtafucha. And in the rivers, you will not be swept away. Ki selech bimo esh lo sichve. When you go into a fire, you will not be burned. And the flames will not burn you, will not, will not take you. So in that Pasuk, it says the word key twice, it says the word low three times, and the Pasuk is all about how you can go through a fire and you could survive. And that's a sign that you're our man. You're going to be the one who's elected to go through the fire. So he said, okay. So he went through the fire, and as he goes through the fire, it splits into three parts, and the three chachamim, I guess, of the community, went to greet him through the three openings of the fire, and they were so amazed at the nace that HaKadosh Baruch had just performed, that they composed Vuhurachum. Each one of them composed a different portion of Vuhurachum. The first one said, until Anna Melech Rachum V'chanun. The second one said, until Ein Kamocha. And the third one said, until the end. From there until the end. And all three sections begin and end with Rachum. That's the story of the Long Tachron. And that's why Rav Shachter points out that, uh, that there are th- these are three separate tefillos, and if you don't have time to say all three of them, you can alternate days, say part one on Monday, and part two on Thursday, and uh, part three the following Monday, because there, there are three independent tefillos that were instituted by three separate people. So when exactly during davening do we say it? There are multiple menhagim. Some say it before nefillos apayim, which is in Sechashkenaz. Some say after nefillos apayim. What if you're in a shul that does it a different way than you do? So in the same 
Sefer Ishei Sol Perchafei Oshei, in footnote 21, he quotes a machlokas about this. He says, Rosh Hashanah Orbach said that since nowadays our shuls are such a combination, they're such a challenge of different people with different menhagim from different places, it's not a violation of Los Hiskod to do, to do your own thing, what your minag is, even though you're diving in a shul that doesn't have that minag. But if you're the only one doing it, and it's going to be very obvious, then probably you shouldn't do it. And the Chuvas Maran Brisk, he says that somebody who does Nefila Sapayim first and is davening in a shul where they do Vuhurachim before Nefila Sapayim, he says he should stick to his own minag because that minag is based on the Zohar and it's a more authentic minag and he should simply do the Nefila Sapayim while standing. See, he, he holds that you could do Nefila Sapayim even while standing, just uh, leaning up against a wall or something and he thinks that that is not going to be so recognizable and then when everyone in the shul sits down, you sit down with them but he thinks you should maintain the order. On the other hand, uh, Rabbi Yaman Zilber in Shuvas Az Nidbru, Chelekei Simul Chavav, says that you have to do like the minig of the Beis HaKnesses that you're davening in, and he brings a raya from the Mishabrura elsewhere in Hilchos Tachnun, in Sim Koflam and Al Sivkat and Vav, where the Mishabrura talks about which hand to rest your head on, when you, which arm to rest your head on. When you do Tachnun, Mishabrura says, whatever, the, whatever you're going to paskin, you got to look around, and if everyone in the shul is doing one thing, you have to do what everybody else is doing. You're not allowed to veer from the minig. So Rabbi Yaman Zilber says, he sees no reason why this should be any different. If there's a minute that the shul is doing, you should follow the minute. How does one say it? Are there any details in saying it? So the Beis Yosef quotes from Ariya Buav that uh, one should recite it standing up specifically, and he goes even further and he says, and he quotes it in Shulchan Aruch as well, anybody who violates that takana is a porates geder, that a person needs to be standing up. However, the Mishabur and Sivkat and Gimel quotes those who say that no, you're only a porates geder if you don't say it at all. But if you say it while sitting down, you're not necessarily a porates geder. Also, the Beis Yosef quotes from Maria Buav, and he quotes this in Shulchan Aruch as well, that it should be said bekol ram, in a loud voice. The Mechaber says, Paskins at la'alacha, Mishabura says, why dafka bekol ram, why does the Mechaber want it to be said bekol ram? La'orer hakavana. Because very often when saying things out loud, it aids in achieving a proper level of kavana. However, the Ramah disagrees. The Ramah says he's right about the standing thing. We do say it's standing up, but we say it quietly. Why? Why standing up and yet quietly? What else do we say? Standing up and also quietly? So that's what the Achronim explained. This is obviously meant to mimic Shmona Esrei. Mishbur and Sivkat Nei points this out, and it's been Matamosha in Din Sheni V'chamishi. Simon Reishchaf explains that each of the parts of Vuhurachum have Yurches Askaros. They have Shem Hashem 18 times, corresponding to the 18 brachas of Shmona Esrei, and that's why they're said stand, standing up and quietly, because it's like a miniature Shmona Esrei. Also, the El Yarabu quotes from the Sefer Tzedel Aderech, Daf Lametes Maimar Aleph, Klal Aleph Perak Lamet Zayin, that it must be said, Bikavana Ubimitun, meaning it should be said with concentration and with patience. And the Lashon of the Tzedel Aderech is not to say it, the way most Shlichetzibur say it, you know, quietly and quickly without any Kavana, to the point where there are no two people saying it at the same pace. We don't sound like we're actually being it sounds like we're arguing or quarreling with each other and each one 
is doing his own thing. That is not appropriate. Mishmur and Sivkat and Bey simply says, Bekavana, Bimitun, Velo Bimarutza. It should be said with Kavana, it should be said patiently, it should not be said quickly. Needless to say, Minagailam does not seem to be that way, but it ought to be that way. We should say it uh, quietly, uh, uh, quietly because we pass on but we should say it patiently, slowly, make sure we're focusing on the words, and when you do, you will find that you probably will enjoy the words very much. It's a very powerful and inspiring tefillah. In Shuvah Svan Agus, Chelek Dalasim Sturmbach laments that people today are mezalzlim betachnun in general. They look for any excuse not to say tachnun. They say it too quickly, and he says it's most unfortunate because tachnun is a great segula that our tefillah will be neskabel. What about finishing at the same time? I mean, finishing the vuhurachum in order to start the nefilas apayim at the same time? Is that a big deal, or can you just go at your own pace? Let's say you finish before the shliach tzibur. Can you go down for tachnun? So this is also a machlokas. Mishburn Sivkat Nehe says that some say if you finish before the shliach tzibur, you have to wait to, wait for him to start nefilas apayim. Rav Shumbach is medayik this way from a couple of rambams. In Ilchus Tefillah, Parak Tesalach and Parak Halach Yidigimel, that you should say tachnun at the same pace and in unison. And the entire idea of Tachman is that it's a prayer that our Shemona Esri should be Neskabel, so he thought that it makes sense that the Tzibur says it together. However, the Mishmur quotes a Shari Tshuva, who says that we typically don't do that anymore. We don't want, uh, and the reason the Shari Tshuva himself explains is because we don't want to create a break between the Vuhurachim and the Tachman. The Vuhurachim should lead right into the Tachman, so you don't want to create a break. So what do you do, and this is the final issue, what do you do when there is no time? Your David and Yeshua doesn't give you enough time to say all the words, bikavana ubimitun, the way they're supposed to be said. So as we pointed out before, Shachter points out that since there are three different sections, mark off in your sitter where those three sections are, and say one, I happen to say usually two on any given Monday or Thursday, because I dive in a little faster than uh, Rav Shachter, I guess I'm a much better reader, um, so, uh, so I, I, I typically say, uh, say two on a, uh, a Monday or a Thursday, but uh, you can alternate and not say, just beware, the first part is longer than the next two, but uh, you don't have to necessarily say all of it every day, much better tov ma'at b'kavana, meharbe shalo b'kavana, better to do a little with kavana than a lot without kavana. In Shuvah's Rivas Ephraim, Chelek Vav Simen Samachalaf, Ephraim Greenblatt says that if somebody forgot to say it at Chakras or didn't have time to say it at Chakras, he could say it before Tachnun at Mincha because Kol Hayom's Mano. I don't know how that's going to work out with the Kaddish afterwards. It's going to cause a lot of trouble. But he says, you know, uh, Misha, he says, Misha Cholek Yodiyeni. It's like a one line Shuvah. He says, and if you disagree with me, let me know. I don't know why Hidavka says that over there. I would imagine he would say that about every Shuvah that he has. In Isha Yisrael, Perchavei Oshei, in uh, footnote 22, he quotes from Chaim Kanievsky who says that if you're not going to have time for both Vuhurachim and Tachnun, you know, sometimes if you're saying Vuhurachim uh, at the right pace, you're in the middle of Vuhurachim and they're already finishing Tachnun and saying the Kaddish. So you missed out on the Tachnun. So he says, even if you think you could say Tachnun after Kriyas HaTorah, better to say Tachnun and skip the Vuhurachim. You'll say the Vuhurachim later if you want. But uh, Tachnun should be prioritized over the Vuhurachim. So hopefully we have a little bit more of an appreciation of the long Tachnun. We should take it seriously and we should say it. Bekavana u Okay.